Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. British boxers, they're called British boxers, you know, because of the boxers who do a fight. But they also happen to do boxers that fit your ass and feel comfy and tight. Plus they make tees and hoodies and stuff and a wide range of things to wear at night. And all of their clothes are super lovely, ethically made, done just right. Check out British Boxers at British-Boxers.com, which is the address of their website. And then remember, Bro 15 for 15% off, because that's the code you should cite. Yeah, I rhyme sight with sight, but my rhyming abilities are rather shite. Don't judge British Boxers by my rubbish tunes. If anything, you should check them out, despite. Big apologies to Sleaford Mods. Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, the comedy politics podcast that advises against panic listening. And I hope that by saying that, that means that you're now going to hurry to hear all the episodes all at once and even store some in jerry cans for later consumption in case of emergency. I'm Tina Duyeb and this week, as Transport Secretary and surgically removed chinskin Grant Shapps insists there is plenty of petrol in this country. No, Grant, look, just because you hang out with fossils who emit tonnes of natural gas, it's really not the same. Welcome to Britain, the land of empty. The country is out of fuel and going nowhere. Also, we're out of petrol. Well, as Grant Shapps has pointed out correctly for once in his life, there is actually enough petrol in the country. It's just, you know, no one can get to it because there's a shortage of HGV drivers to transport it to the stations. So, much like Grant Shapps' life, the fuel is there, but there's zero pump action and absolutely no forecourt play. You might think that Brexit is one of the main causes of this, what with the country having actively voted to make trade restrictions more complicated than a user manual written by James Joyce, and of course telling drivers from the EU to get trucking. But no, according to the Transport Secretary, you would be wrong, as in fact Brexit has made it easier to fix all of the problems created by Brexit. Phew. Instead, it is of course the fault of the Road Haulage Association for selfishly warning for years that this sort of thing would happen in some sort of bizarre who smelt it dealt it blame game from the government failing to understand that this doesn't work like their own gas troubles. Yes, I will keep making fart jokes on this episode, you absolutely can't stop me. 
Of course, uh, the petrol shortage is also your fault, like everything is. Because you and me, the public, I guess we just keep secretly kidnapping HGV drivers and hiding them in our basements because we just need someone to pay attention to our needs to make Hong Kong lorry horn signs and then they get it. You know, maybe if we stopped doing that, we wouldn't be in this fix. I mean, if it wasn't for you, these hauliers would be chomping at the bit to piss in milk bottles and sleep on the side of the road for a pittance. It is the stuff of dreams. Dreams that you don't get when having a terrible night's sleep in an overfilled lorry park in Kent. Also, people keep buying petrol when they don't need it, according to Environment Secretary and child that's had all their life force removed by a curse, George Eustace. As opposed to, you know, people buying it only when their tank is completely and utterly empty. That's what we should all be doing. Stop being selfish, just drive till we run out of petrol and then abandon our car at the roadside before trekking to the nearest station and filling up your reusable coffee cup with unleaded before necking it and then running to work. Oh, and Covid is also to blame for the shortage because, as you know, during the pandemic, no one got anything delivered at all. It was just unheard of. So, aside from you letting those 14 drivers go now, because you really should, they're so hungry, the government have got some ideas to fix this crisis. First up, they're offering 10,000 temporary visas to foreign drivers that they told to fuck off just months ago. Like a last-minute desperate booty call now they realise they can't do without them filling their tanks. It's only temporary, mind, and those drivers are going to have to leave again before Christmas because nothing says festive spirit like getting the sack. Still, I suppose it's better for them than spending December the 25th in an overfilled lorry park in Kent, just like last year. The EU Lorry Drivers Union said on Radio 4 that they'd not go back to England to help them get out of the shit they created themselves. Ah, actually, I think you'll find that you created the shit by um, not stopping us from shitting in the first place. No, wait, I'm not as good at this as the government are. There are also plans to train 4,000 new HGV drivers and they're going to make the test to get a licence easier. So it's nice to know that while desperately driving up and down the motorway in order to find any sort of fuel, you could be driven into the central reservation by someone who got given a £53,000 truck because they could correctly identify from a motorbike on a pictogram. The government have also suspended competition law, meaning all oil firms can deliver to all petrol stations, regardless of brand, meaning that you can now get ripped off for destroying the planet wherever you go. And there are also mentions that have been denied now, but possibly that the army might get called in to help, because as we know, they've had a lot of experience of taking control of oil that isn't theirs. It's not the only shortage hitting Britain right now, with rising energy prices meaning that we have a CO2 shortage while also having too high CO2 emissions at the same time. There is nothing more British than having more than enough of something, but absolutely none of it being distributed to the correct places. CO2, petrol, housing, wealth, comedians, the list is endless. Energy prices have quadrupled in a year or levelled up, if you like, and several smaller energy providers have had their lights permanently go out as a result. But the Prime Minister and deflating space hopper Boris Johnson insisted all of this would be temporary as it's just the result of the world waking up after pandemic shutdowns like everyone going to put the kettle on at the end of a TV programme. <laughs> yes, Johnson, because during the lockdowns, absolutely no one used any energy at home at all, did they? We all just heated our tea through the sheer power of our exceedingly high infected temperatures. High gas prices have caused fertiliser plants that produce CO2 to shut. You see, EU Lorry Drivers Union, if anything, we haven't made enough of our own shit, actually. So that's going to affect beer, fizzy drinks and meat supplies, or as they're also known, the entire breadth of British cuisine. This, plus the lack of workers post-Brexit, means it could be a pretty bleak Christmas for many, with a likely shortage of turkeys, trees and toys. But on the plus side, we probably won't be in lockdown this year, so it means you'll be able to have your family arguments back, but now with new topics as to whether it's Brexit that means you're all having cardboard sandwiches and playing with stones, or the public's fault for insisting on buying food supplies at any time before the very second that they needed lunch. Honestly, this government have now threatened more Christmases than the Grinch. 
There will be an energy price rise for many consumers, meaning, as it's been coined, it's going to be a choice between heating and eating for many families this winter as well. You know, much like it has been for many of the last 10 years, thanks to austerity. One solution for all of this, though, may be a mass occupation by people of the House of Commons, where everyone can get free heating and, of course, eat several MPs who we all know are well-bred turkeys. It's all fairly grim, and yet I can almost bet at the Conservative conference later this month that they're going to hail the lack of cars on the roads and shops running out of food as proof that they're hitting their targets to both tackle emissions and, of course, obesity levels. Maybe the government should ask Labour where they're getting all their fuel from, as they seem to have so much that they can't stop their party burning to the ground. The Labour conference this year seems to largely be an exercise in getting people to vote for what they want and then telling them that they absolutely can't have it. Though, to be fair, that is what the Conservatives do at elections, so maybe this is the opposition party's prep to appeal to Tory voters instead. Delegates voted to make nationalising energy companies one of the party's main policies, but Shadow Chancellor, and the closest you can get to seeing an actual void, Rachel Reeves, said now isn't the time to do that, as instead the party will focus on issues that affect the day-to-day. To be fair to Reeves, she is unlikely to need to heat her home regularly, as she thrives on being in a cold, dead atmosphere, devoid of all feeling. It was, of course, something that was in the Labour leader and sound of nothing Keir Starmer's pledges when he campaigned for leadership, so of course it was never going to happen. Luckily for him, delegates voted through his new plans to change how the leadership is voted for in future, so that MPs have a bigger say in who gets to sit on the fence for them, and it'll be even harder for members to deselect any MPs that aren't doing their job. Yeah, take that, ordinary people. You can take your for the many, not the few, and spin on it, because this Labour Party are all change and want nothing to do with democracy or your shitty ideas for policies when they've got heaps of brilliant ones of their own that they've stolen from the 90s. Starmer said being able to make changes to party rules is a major step towards Labour winning an election. Yes, of course it is, as it means more leaders just like him can be elected and make zero impact on the electorate, which is perfect for a society filled with political apathy and dreams of a government that would just waft by with nothing more than a stench of stale thoughts. The night before the conference, Starmer released his 14,000-word memo, which was kind as he knew the country was exhausted after the last 18 months and he provided us all with a sleep aid to help us fall into a hefty slumber. The memo is called The Road Ahead, something even Starmer wasn't bothering to look at last October when he hit a cyclist with his car. In it, not that I've bothered to read it, is 14,000 words. He says that the party will hand back powers from Whitehall to local communities and give people the means to take control. Unless, of course, those people want to have a say in who the party leader is or their local MP candidate will be. One policy that has emerged is to tax private schools in order to raise £1.7 for state education. That's not a bad idea at all, but it's kind of overshadowed by the complete lack of mention that if they also tax billionaires and offshore companies even more, they'd get even more dosh for, well, everything. Reeves said if Labour were in government, there'd be £28 billion to invest in green energy between now and 2030, which, again, sounds nice, but by all accounts, £50 a year is needed to achieve zero emissions. You sort of get the feeling that if you ask the Labour cabinet for money to get the bus home as it's raining, they'd work together to let you borrow a broken umbrella instead. Sure, it's better than nothing, but only because it is, at the very least, something. Labour keep losing members, perhaps they don't see that as a problem when the top of the party is such big members that they'll make up for it. Shadow Minister for Employment Rights and Protections and someone lost their uncle at the wedding, Andy MacDonald, resigned from the Shadow Cabinet on Monday night, saying that he was asked to argue against a £15 minimum wage and statutory sick pay, despite that being a pledge that Starmer ran on for leadership and even stood with a big banner and campaigners for. So again, of course Starmer now doesn't back it, and luckily he won't ever have to lie to members again, as MPs can just vote him in instead. Andy MacDonald said the party had never been more divided than now, but how can that be when it says at least 60 billion times in Starmer's The Road Ahead, the word unity. Or it probably does. I can't be asked to read it. 
It says a lot that the supposed party for workers has even the minister in charge of job rights decide it isn't worth keeping his job. In the meantime, tagging back into Labour is Dolores Umbridge impersonator Louise Elman, who has rejoined the party after saying that it's now safe for Jewish people to be part of the group again after the rule changes were voted on it on Sunday to ensure leadership could not interfere with the complaints process, as per the EHRC report. Louise Elman voted several times in favour of the Iraq war, so Starmer likely sees an ally in someone who also couldn't give a shit what the public actually want or think is fair. It says a lot that the biggest story to come from the weekend at the conference in Brighton was that deputy leader and star of 90s kids TV show Alfonso Bonzo, Angela Rayner, referred to the Tories as a bunch of scum. Many Conservatives were rightly offended by this as scum means a layer of green matter on top of a stagnant pond and despite what they say, the Tories are anything but green. Rayner says she'll only apologise for the comments when Johnson apologises for racist and homophobic things that he's said in the past but it'd be much better if she just said what many of us were thinking which is that Scum isn't really any good by itself and she needed a whole load of swear words and far nastier terms put in front of it to be even remotely accurate. Meanwhile, Conservative MP and man with the sort of face you usually only see when it's next to historical allegations, James Gray, has apologised after joking on WhatsApp that a bomb should be delivered to the office of Labour MP and bewildered woodland creature Annalise Dodds. Gray said he meant no offence. It didn't make any headlines and absolutely no Conservative have condemned him for it because I guess to them bomb threats just means more sales for all their colleagues in the weapons industry. The Prime Minister addressed the UN with a speech about climate change, telling them humanity needs to grow up, said that we all cling to an infantile belief that the world was made for our own gratification and pleasure, and he said that we believe someone else will clear up our mess, as that's what someone else has always done. Yes, it's very much as though Dr Sam Beckett quantum leapt into his body and accidentally read the data brief he had on him out aloud. Johnson said we can make changes with commitments in four areas, coal, cars, cash and trees. What with the new coal mine being built in Cumbria, I'm not sure he was clear enough on whether the changes were to increase or decrease emissions. This became even less clear when he decided to use his speech to say that Kermit the Frog, you know, an actual leader, had been wrong when he'd sang It's Not Easy Being Green, which, if Johnson had ever listened to the lyrics of, makes it sound a bit like he's against green being the colour of beautiful things and what he wants to be. Maybe Johnson's just envious that Kermit is a Muppet that's adored worldwide, like him, and that he gets to touch Piggy without it being a Bullingdon Club dare. Johnson spoke to French President and shoe bill Emmanuel Macron after Australia signed up to a pact with the UK and US for them to provide it with nuclear-powered submarines, presumably because rather than deal with climate change, they just want to really be able to get around once it kicks in. This meant Australia pulled out of a $37 billion pact with France to build 12 bog-standard diesel submarines, which would have been awkward as I can imagine it's even harder to find petrol stations underwater than in England right now. Johnson very tactfully told the French government to donnez-moi un break and prenez un grip, which is hilarious because had France ruined a weapons deal for the UK, we'd probably be at war with them by now. The Ministry of Housing, Communities and Local Government is now to be named the Department of Leveling Up Housing and Communities because nothing says levelling up quite like completely ignoring the fact that local government exists. What's clear about the government's levelling up message is that absolutely none of them are gamers or they'd know that you only level up so you have some chance against the increasing difficulty that lies ahead. They're basically saying that we're now in nightmare mode. In other news, leader of the Mushroom Kingdom, Angela Merkel, can't quite step down as German Chancellor yet as the Social Democrats got the most votes in the country's general election, but not quite enough for a majority. There will now be prolonged talks towards forming Germany's first three-party coalition, and it does feel a little bit cruel after overseeing Brexit that Merkel now can't leave until big decisions about unions are made. 
And dinosaur chicken bite and broadcaster Andrew Neil has quit GB News, the station he helped set up and absolutely no one watches, after saying that he became a minority of one. I guess that must have been dangerous, as that's the exact description of the targets GB News likes to vilify most. Someone should really let Andrew Neil know that Andrew Neil tried to cancel Andrew Neil, and maybe he'll set up some sort of viewerless cheap news channel to stop this sort of thing from ever happening again. Gina Miller, do you remember her, the predominantly anti-Brexit campaigner, with the constant expression of someone who's about to tell you off because you're in their seat, even though your ticket definitely says it's yours? She's launching a new centrist party because it seems a key part of centre politics to just refuse to work with anyone else, even if they are wasting just as much money as you on policies absolutely no one wants. The party will be called True and Fair, which sounds a lot like the name of a children's detective series. In fact, I wish it was, and that way someone might be able to investigate just what the hell the point of it is. And former Education Secretary and unwanted follow-through Gavin Williamson is supposedly being tipped for knighthood following being sacked from the Cabinet. Maybe they just mean one of those sleep masks so that he'll actually go to bed on time instead of crying under the covers and whispering hard power to himself. Nothing would represent Britain in 2021 better than Williamson becoming Sir fails a lot for his complete lack of contributions to anything. Hey, 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 Parpol Broads, how is you? Um, I am back from holidays, uh, though, as I've realised, going on holiday with not one but two three-year-olds is definitely not a holiday. I thought having two three-year-olds, that's my daughter and uh, my friend's son, um, and then having four adults, I thought that that would somehow equal some rest time between all of us. Um, But no, no, uh, the three-year-olds combined powers to become even more exhausting, and I've realised that for two... Uh, two three-year-olds, in order to have five minutes of sitting down, you either need to quadruple the amount of adults or just a holiday somewhere else without them at all. Being woken up every day at the crack of dawn by two kids shouting crazy pineapple at each other and having in-depth discussions about what would happen if you didn't have the bit under your tongue and all sorts of nonsense. It is both adorable and also, oh God, I miss sleep. Um, I did get to catch up with friends though, that was lovely. Uh, saw some amazing sunsets as it turns out that you get to see those um, if there are fields instead of stupid built up buildings everywhere and I had a chat with a horse so overall I think that is a win um, and I filled up with petrol one day before everyone went panic buying so I got home but then I've also got gigs next weekend that I may not have petrol for so now I'm wondering if I should have persuaded that horse to come with me uh, to get me there instead obviously missed that opportunity silly me isn't it terrible that there really should be no petrol at all we should all be travelling in economically friendly transport or live within I don't know 15 minute cityscapes but also I really need petrol to get to gigs so I can earn money and I would like this nonsense to stop also there is a real danger that tesla drivers are now going to become even more unbearably smug than they already are so um we need to end that shit anyway um i'm now back from sunny yorkshire and this week is a thrust back into gigs and work and this show though there is no interview no interview on the show because i didn't have time because i was away and um, that will return next week and hopefully in weeks following or indeed like usual trailing behind so this episode is just um well first it's a bit of this big thanks to emma tim and sarah marie for your sterling patreon work um if you fancy joining the the, the Patreon, 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 Patreon um, to fund this here thing and also it seems um, means just when you join it means someone else will leave it just as you join uh, so that it is exactly the same amount of sponsorship every single month uh, like an attempt at a weird uh, galactic podcast balance that is pretty much what's happened ever since I started it um, then you can do that at patreon.com forward slash parpolbro um, also I forgot after the episode a few weeks ago to thank pod champion Dave Pickering as he suggested getting Arthur on the show for an interview so big thanks to you too Dave um, Dave is a former guest on the show uh, you can go back through old episodes and find that chat um, all about sort of toxic masculinity it was fascinating um, and also he makes many superb podcasts himself uh, so do check out all of them but in particular his Down to a Sunless Sea series which is just beautiful 
other notifications here at Team Admin section. Um, the wonderful, amazing bunch of Arts Emergency, one of my favourite charities. They are looking for new mentors and mentees. So if you're an Arts, Humanities and Creative Industry pro um, who would like to mentee, um, mentor, mentee, mentor, um, who would like to uh, sort of help uh, a young person who wants to get into the arts, get into the arts. Um, or if you are a 16 to 25 year old who would like to get into those fields despite all resources to do so being decimated from state and university education by the government, then do give Arts Emergency a shout. Um, only 16% of people in the arts and humanities come from a working class background, which is shit, and also why so much TV is exactly the same. Oh, look at the sad lives and drama of rich people, boo-hoo, fuck off. Um, arts Emergency is doing an amazing job of trying to change that, and they've supported absolutely loads of young people since 2013. So, if you fancy being part of it, or you think they could help you out, head to arts-emergency.org, and I'll post the specific links for mentors and mentees in the pod blur too. Um, I was also asked to give a shout out to, uh, well, shout out UK um, about their London Voter Registration Week. Um, But it turns out I am a terrible man because that was last week. Uh, Sorry, shout out UK. I said that I would do it and then was away when you needed me to do it. Anyway, I've messed that up, but you can still view all their resources and everything they put together for it at registertovote.london. And you can still register to vote all the time. Do that. So please go and have a look there too. Right, admin done and dusted. And this week's show nearly is too. But first, gas chat. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I don't really understand science, but it does seem a shame that in the UK we currently have too many CO2 emissions, but we're also out of CO2. Is it not a clever way to put straws into the middle lane of the motorway and then just sort of suck up what's needed for fizzy drinks? No? No, I suppose the problem with that is we're also out of petrol so no one can drive on the motorway. Gosh, this science is tricky when you're out of everything, isn't it? The UK is low on fuel, out of fizz, and we can't afford to use energy. All three phrases that also apply to how I feel as a parent every single day. Basically, if you're a listener in the US, we're out of gas, gas, and gas. And if you're a listener in Ireland, the UK is definitely not a gas right now. Though if you're Irish, you've known that for many, many years. 
Why can't you have lemonade while driving recklessly down the motorway having left the hob on at home? Well, as always, I could just shout Brexit or this fucking government and close the podcast, put my jacket on and leave, which would be weird as I record this at home. But while in many ways that would be a succinct and complete answer, it's not quite all the reasonings for our country's current lack of drive. Why no gas? Well, actually, there is gas. Uh, It's just that energy prices are mighty high as they've quadrupled in the last year. And not just because that winter lockdown lasted most of our lives and eternity and we had to have the heating on for pretty much all of it. It's a little bit that. And it's a little bit because post-COVID there's been a global uptick, which is a stupid phrase because all ticks are up. Otherwise, they're a hill, aren't they? A pointy hill or an unfinished triangle. I mean, come on, everyone. Yeah, sorry, a global uptick in gas use since COVID hasn't ended, but everyone's pretended it has. I'm not sure why, but I guess everyone went back to, I don't know, spraying gas into the air or going to gas concerts or something. But anyway, all of that means that we have a much tighter gas market with less spare capacity. Yes, the phrase tighter gas market made me laugh as well. It's also being investigated as to whether the Russian state-backed gas company Gazprom, which sounds like a teenage party, has been up to suspicious behaviour that's inflated prices, but you know, not inflated things that need gas to inflate them. Then there's loads of odds and sods that have added to the crisis as well, like the large amounts of calm weather that followed the rubbish winter that made us use lots of gas, now meaning that wind farms haven't been winding. Yes, weather, particularly in the era of climate change times, aren't conducive to cheap gas, which in a way might be the weather saying, hey, let's make it so expensive to buy gas, everyone will stop using it, which will in turn heal the planet, like some sort of very slow revenge. Gas platforms in the North Sea closing for maintenance during the pandemic means that they haven't been pumping. (laughs) And Asia using loads more liquefied gas there means that it's not getting here. And then there was a big fire in Kent on some cables that import electricity from France because thanks to the joys of privatisation, Thatcher, you shit, nearly 40% of our energy comes from across the channel. But it seems despite all their attempts, Europe has still failed to make us brighter as a nation. The UK has relatively lower energy costs for domestic use compared to the rest of Europe. Bargain, but all our bills are much higher because we're so completely energy inefficient. I mean, I know that. I waste my energy on completely pointless things like shouting at the news or trying to get my daughter to tidy the Play-Doh mess she's just made. And frankly, none of that goes anywhere useful. If we had better insulation in homes, we'd use a lot less energy. And you'll be massively unsurprised to know that the government has done pretty much zero on any of its plans to do such things. Industrial electricity prices are super high, which is partly due to policies meant to be for climate change, which aren't very well implemented and yet again it's a lot like you've got all the right pieces to a puzzle but instead of just doing the puzzle properly you've given the puzzle to a goat and expected it to put it together instead of eating bits of it and then fucking off and because of a price gap a good thing it means smaller companies were paying loads to buy in gas and then sell it at a loss a bad thing so that's seven smaller companies that have vanished with their customers being handed to bigger companies meaning less competition and higher prices while the big companies make a massive profit overcharging everyone which is bad again and god imagine if british gas was just state owned we could all buy all the gas we needed for our breakfast or our gas baths but also imagine if we didn't need any of it and we could just be nice to the planet there is ultimately no winning why no co2 so co2 has been affected as big fertilizer plants need big gas to make big co2 and the cost of big gas means the two biggest co2 factories that make 60 percent of all the co2 have shut down which means no dry ice for food transporting no stunning of poultry before slaughtering them no cooling nuclear reactors and no super amazing looking cocktails or sci-fi scenes in cheap tv where all the smoke goes everywhere and looks mysterious Yes, that is how they stun turkeys, by the way, with CO2, which does sound nicer and a lot more humane than just saying what the government have fucked up this week. That's how it works on me anyway. However, the government have agreed a bailout of the CO2 firms while totally ignoring all the small energy firms because, you know, they're against fairness and far more for companies that help do foul murders. Off. Why no fuel? 
But even if all the CO2 gets sorted, there's big food problems due to the fuel shortage, which isn't a fuel shortage, that's a hard sentence to say, but it is an HGV driver shortage, which has all been made worse by HGV driver shortage causing a fuel shortage, meaning the HGVs that could transport the fuel now aren't getting any fuel, causing a fuel shortage. Win! Covid and Brexit tag teaming mean there's a shortage of about 100,000 drivers in the UK. The former caused a backlog of vehicle tests and the latter caused around 25,000 drivers to leave and absolutely not return. Meanwhile, the average age of a haulier is 57, as very few young people are keen to take up a job that pays badly, causes back problems and means that you spend a lot of your time shitting in laybys due to a lack of truck stops. I mean, why would you do that when you could, hang on, let me check my notes, do almost anything else in the world? Older drivers are retiring and there's been a shortage in the sector for over a decade, which the Road Haulage Association have been warning everyone about and the government has chosen to say that this is their fault for doing so. I mean, they do prefer it if a crisis just appears out of nowhere and then at least it looks like they have some excuse for not being remotely prepared. Aside from being told that they aren't wanted here endlessly since 2016 and before, another reason it is not such a great prospect for European drivers or indeed from anywhere else is cabotage, which is impossible to not say like the Beastie Boys. Cabotage is the right for an operator for another country to load and unload goods in a different country many times, making it worth it lugging up and down the country and endlessly swearing at roadworks. But post-Brexit, Drivers from abroad in the UK can now only do two stops within seven days of their first unloading before having to head back to their country of origin. So they could pick up something, drop it off, do that again, and then fuck off. Not the most exciting prospect for a holiday job, is it? At least as a holiday rep, you get free drinks and cap and an STI. The government has announced plans for 10,500 visas for drivers from abroad, half for petrol transporting, half for food, and only till Christmas. I'm not sure why anyone would jump on that job, but also it still leaves around 90,000 vacancies. Basically, this ain't ending anytime soon, and unlike all the HGV drivers who aren't HGV driving, these shortages are definitely in it for the long haul. I guess for Christmas you'd all better be hoping that Santa fills his sack with diesel or natural gas, and then definitely, definitely doesn't enter via the fireplace. And that's all for this week's Partly Political Broadcast. If this is your cup of tea or coffee or bovril or warm water with several drops of hopelessness, then do recommend this to others so they too can quench their ears with this audio beverage, join the Patreon, and even, if you fancy, give it a review on Apple Podcasts or similar less evil corporate sites. Cheers big ears to ACARS, my brother-in-law sceptic and cat day, and this will be back next week when the UK runs out of things to run out of and has to grovel to the EU to borrow things just so that we can have a shortage of them. Bye! This week's show was sponsored by Keir Starmer's Sleep Tapes. Hours and hours of the Labour leader speaking without actually saying anything, all delivered in a low nasal tone that causes the brain to shut down in order to save itself. Keir Starmer's Sleep Tapes, they don't promise to help with absolutely anything. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.